Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to the Beer Ladies podcast, broadcasting to you live from lockdown part two, Electric Boogaloo. I am your host, Christina, who you have probably heard Natter on here before. I am joined by my co-host, Tandy, and our two guests, Erica and Kelly. And I will turn you over to them to introduce themselves. So let's start with Tandy. Hello, everybody. Uh, nice to chat to you again. Um, I'm Tandy, the token South African, and uh, I'm just excited to chat to Kelly and Erica tonight. <laughs> um, I'm Erica, and I am also from the US, and I've been living in Dublin for about six years, and I'm really excited for this podcast. Um, hi, I'm Kelly. Um, I'm from the UK. I've been living in Ireland since 2003. Um, and I've done, yeah, there's lots in the beer world of late. So I'm excited to talk to everybody today. I'm going to remind you to like, follow, subscribe, like us, follow us, listen to us on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So before we get into the interviews, we have the all important, very critical question. What are you drinking? So Tandy, let's start with you. What are you drinking tonight? Right. I'm I'm trying a new beer tonight. I've been on very much a, a new beer craze of late. And um this you will have you might have actually heard a little rant in one of the previous episodes about how we don't see a lot of amber ales around. So when I found one, I bought it. And I've got Kinnegar's Devil's Backbone, Ooh. which is an amber ale. And so far I'm really enjoying it. I've only had one or two sips, but yeah, that's my first beer of the night. Erica, what have you got tonight? Uh, tonight, I'm drinking Coast Road, which is a mosaic dry hops IPA by Western Herd Brewing, and they're based out of County Clare. Uh, my husband and I were meant to be spending October bank holiday in Limerick and Ennis, and we were planning to go to McHugh's in Ennis, which is actually their craft beer pub. So um, it's nice to get to see it in Dublin. Um, we got it at Devonies in Dundrum. That's awesome. I don't think I've seen them around, really. So that's, that's one to keep an eye out for. For sure. Kelly, what you got? Um, tonight I'm drinking a local brewery, um, the Dewdrop. Um, 
it's the No Fury Helly's Lager. Uh, it's one of my favourites. Um, and good that it's local, so enjoying that. So that one, Christina, if I remember correctly, you were drinking that on episode one. Yes, it's delicious. Dr- it is delicious. And and after your recommendation, I went and bought a mixed case of dewdrops um, of beers, and that, that Heller's knocked it out of the park for me. It was amazing. Vienna Lager is delicious as well. I got the mixed case as well. Very impressed with everything I got from Dewdrop, I have to say. Definitely. Definitely. The Helles is a, is a real kind of go-to beer, especially it's it's up on draft in the town in Kildare. And uh, it would be my one I would session on all night, happy yeah. out with it. Mm. Oh, it's a wonderful beer, that. Are you drinking, Christina? Christina. All right. So um, I'm drinking Fighting Wildfire Imperial Happy Red Ale. Um, uh, by, uh, I know this one. So it's, um, it supports it's, well, it's Wicklow Wolf. I should probably say who it is. It's Wicklow Wolf. Um, but they're raising funds, um, in aid of WWF. So it's to, um, help endangered animals. Um, Wicklow Wolf are supporting WWF to fight wildfire by raising money for the Australian wildfire and nature recovery fund. So that's cool. It's a pretty cool beer. Um, and I don't drink enough reds. I like reds. Um, much like you said, Tandy with Amber's, I don't mm. see enough reds. Um, so I'm delighted to to have a red that I somehow acquired in one of my mixed cases somewhere <laughs> in these last couple months. Um, yeah, very happy with it. And Cheers it's a good time of year to be drinking reds too. Mm. Right? Yeah. Red, well, that's what that's one of my favorite beers, the red, a red ale. Mm-hmm. Love it when it's done as, as a style. Light. Yes, yeah, yep, that would be my go-to yeah. beer. Reds are great. I, th- I think I think of amber ales always as one of my go-tos, and it was the first beer that I ever tried to brew as well. Um, just because it's, I just like the balance of it. It's just a great beer for me if it's if it's done well. For sure, for sure. I'm getting more into reds and ambers and branching out from my usuals. So mm. nice, but um. We will launch into the interviews before we start going down a complete rabbit path on on all of our favorite beer, which we can talk about later. But I want to start with I want to start with Kelly. I just want to ask you what drew you to beer and brewing, and if you could describe to our listeners just a little bit about your background um, in beer and brewing and, and what it is that you do. Um, what brought me to the uh, beer world is my husband. Um, seven years ago, I would have been a vodka drinker. I wouldn't have thanked you for a beer. I would have thought there's no way I could possibly drink that pint because I'd be too full. And um, Brendan got back into brewing. He brewed, he's brewed through the years, but he got really more back into it then. And um, I would have then started. He used to, he used to, he'd be brewing at home and he'd be giving me samples of beer and he'd be saying, you know, what's that taste like? And I'd be like, beer. Stop giving me samples of beer. It's beer. And um, as the time went on, he'd keep giving me them. And one, I remember one day I actually tasted, sampled a beer and I said, well, it tastes like bubble gum. And he kind of looked at me as if to say, are you taking, have you read that somewhere? Have you, and I was, you've just asked me what's in the beer. And it, I, I get, I get bubble gum. Um, so he kind of looked at me and he said, mm, you can taste. You, you know, you can taste. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So as Brendan joined the National Homebrew Club, and he was going to different meetups. So I started going along to different meetups and I kind of thought, I'm going to have to learn more about this or else I'm going to be left behind. I'm going to have no idea what he's talking about and it'd be going up, going out and I wouldn't be getting involved. So I then decided with him to do the BJCP course 
Um, so we would have, I would have done the study of that with the National Homebrew Club and sat my exams. I think it was one of the first exams in Ireland to be done when, when I sat with Brendan. And I'll never forget doing doing the course and learning. And it was a great thing to do, to, to learn all the beer styles and the flavours and the off flavours. And um, when the day that got the results, I was really like nervous, thinking I'm never going to pass. This is not going to pass. And I actually passed with flying colours. I was like, yay! <laughs> Proving that you can indeed taste a beer. <laughs> exactly. And I was yeah. only like a couple of points behind Brendan, which was which was great, you know. Um, but we weren't really hard at it. And that's kind of what brought me into it then, which would have brought me into being part of the National Homebrew Club, um, going on to be secretary, doing a stint of president for the National Homebrew Club. And then I met, obviously, along the way, the beer ladies and became one of the executive members there back in 2014, I think it was. So, so Kelly... Um, are you the first female president of the Homebrew Club? Yes. Yeah. That is incredible. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was and and fair dues, they all they welcome me into the fold and and because um, it is predominantly male in the mm. National Homebrew Club. There is a few women um joined and more more so I would say of, of recent. Um but the guys are the great, the little clubs that go on, so they would meet locally, there would be all little um spider groups along um the country. And uh, they welcome women into the groups, the local groups. Um they really, really enjoy having a lady present because it kind of brings in and the lads would then say to their wives, you know, come along, there's a lady there. And I always used to say, you know, bring bring your wives along. Everybody gets involved. It's if, for for me it was like a family thing. This mm. is about family. Um, we've done many brew days here. Um, we've done many brew days with the ladies, craft beer society. We've even brewed a winning beer here, actually here in this brewery in this our little man cave. <laughs> um, we've done hot picking days. We've and, and again for me, it's all about family and community. It's about bringing everybody together. Um, so yeah. yeah, I've I've, I've lots of stuff I could go on about. <laughs> That's really cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Erica, basically same same question because we'll jump back to you, Kelly, because I have a lot more to ask you. But I want to get a little introduction um, from Erica before I start grilling you on the really serious questions. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Keep the beer flowing. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, Erica, basically same question. What drew you to beer and brewing? And can you describe a little bit about your journey and, and where you are now? Sure. Uh, so I grew up 45 minutes from New Ulm, Minnesota, and that's the home of Shell's Brewery, which is the second oldest family-owned brewery in the United States. And they've been brewing since 1860, and they survived Prohibition. And my family went on a tour uh, of the brewery, but I wasn't of drinking age yet. So during the tasting, I was given their 1919 root beer, which is really lovely. Um, but I loved the smells and was fascinated by the history. So I kind of put that memory in my back pocket for a while. And I studied psychology and Spanish in college. And then when I turned 21, my mom and stepdad uh, took me to this new craft brewery that I'd opened in my hometown for dinner. And it kind of became a tradition for us. Um, but then I moved and traveled a lot for work and kind of left Minnesota and went on to get my master's in psychology. And at the time, uh, I didn't really think of brewing and distilling as a career path for myself. 
but I found uh, when I moved to Ireland to study veterinary medicine, there's actually a food innovation degree at Technological Diversity University of Dublin. Um, it's a bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> um, and that's a Bachelor of Science honors degree. And I applied there and to IT Carlo last year and got in. And I actually started as a third year international um, transfer student at TU Dublin, which is formerly the DIT City Center campus. And I came into this class of about 20 other students. And, you know, I was new and I was definitely a mature student. Um, but I did it with a lot of support from my family and friends because they knew that beer had become more than just a neat hobby for me. And I guess now when I go back to Minnesota, my mom has already taken photos and clipped out newspaper articles about beer. And to me, that's really amazing because she's always told me over the decades that she's not a drinker, but now she's interested in it because of me. So we try to patronize the local beer scene um, whenever I'm back in the, in the U S which hasn't been for about a year, <laughs> but um, we, we really like to be involved there and here as much as possible. So when we travel locally or internationally, that's the first thing we look up is, is there um, some kind of experience we can take in, in the, in the beer scene. So is your is your primary interest within brewing and distilling or is it more tasting and appreciating? Like, how did you jump from psychology to veterinary science to brewing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like I, I was very much a social scientist up until a few years ago. And in vet, I really fell in love with the food science side of it rather than the cl clinical side. And I do credit the Beer Ladies Society for that. Um, really gave me a lot of inspiration um, to follow a sort of pipe dream. Um, because a couple summers ago, uh, my mom and I took a trip to the North Shore of Lake Superior. And I hate shopping and she's the designated driver. So we said, for every craft brewery I drag her to, I would go into a, an antique shop and I think we were at our fifth craft brewery. We were in castle danger. And I remember it like it was yesterday. She was talking about retirement and I was talking about being a doctor. And we just said like, wouldn't it be so cool if we could design beer together someday? And she's very artistic and imaginative. So she'd be involved with the packaging. And, um, you know, we, we actually did that this year during lockdown. We made a hypothetical lemongrass IPA um, that was done virtually between here and there. And I did really well on the project. And she did all of the drawing and the font and the color scheme for it and gave me a lot of feedback. So I think she will definitely keep coming back into my career as, as a a scientist. I want to be working in a lab and, and testing the microbiology, the quality, the sensory aspects of drink and food. That's awesome. Very cool. Erica, can you can you talk a little bit about your, your current project um, with, that sure. you're doing with Spent Grain? Yeah. So I'm working on my dissertation this semester, um, which 
includes um, a lot of research and it's been tricky because of COVID, but I recently um, made a recipe for uh, scones using spent grain as an additive. And I've been doing surveys and interviews and also getting sensory feedback on how it looks and smells and tastes. And over the next three or four months, um, I'm going to be citing a lot of studies and you know, hoping to prove that it's um, a, a really great functional nutritional ingredient um, because I, I love like the physical and the chemistry side of it. That's Very really cool. cool. Mm. I mean, I, sorry, Christina. I guess it's it's cool to um, it's cool to find uses for spent grain because I think a lot of people just try and give them to pig farms or, sure. or to whatever. But there's there's so much more you can do with it. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's really cool. I make dog biscuits. <laughs> I was just gonna. <laughs> I was gonna say dog biscuits. <laughs> that's so cool. And that was that was born out of first lockdown because. Um, Brandon was brewing like crazy and all this spent grain and I was like I'm going to have to do something with that and I just yeah, it takes a bit of time but the dogs adore the spent uh, the spent grain dog biscuits love them I make granola out of mine and it's great <laughs> like it's so, wonderful yeah it's a good it's a good project it's just finding that use and because uh, as I said everyone just has to try and especially the breweries they need to just get get it gone because it's just waste to them and there's so much of it and it goes sour and smelly quickly um and you can compost it with the used hops but i think with the push towards sustainability it's Mm. really cool to to be a bit more creative with it for the bakers yeah also from a consumer standpoint, like I'd love to go to a brewery and they were like, oh, yes, and this is our spent grain bread and this is our spent grain scones <laughs> and this is our spent grain cookies. And you can take these dog biscuits home for Fido. I mean, I think that's really cool. Like as part of sort of an immersive experience, that would be something that would draw me to go to a brewery. Yes. I would mm. be very keen on kind of seeing that process. And of course, sustainability as a consumer is very important to me as mm. well. Mm. I quite like the sort of circular economy part of it. You know, you you know, you know, putting it back in as something marketable and not just a clever way to to use waste. It's it's something that is a valuable ingredient in its own right. Um, I think that's really quite that's quite cool about it. Very that's cool. a tricky ingredient to work with sometimes, just because it is. But it it does have protein in it and some of the other dietary fibers like cellulose, lignin, hemicellulose, and um, you know, I think. It, it, it could be really big for us in the future for muffins and cupcakes and, you know, for breweries to kind of catch on to that, to have like a relationship with a bakery and think outside the box. Uh, just just calling Bratton Brewery, if you're listening, when we went to visit you and you made us your daughter, I believe, um, one of the owner's daughters made us all these amazing baked goods. So um Maybe she wants to make some stuff with spent grain because that would be awesome because her food was – Kelly, did you go on that? Oh, Were you I on did. That tour? We got the minibus. We got the minibus out from Dublin. It was yep. a great day. Farm it was one day. of the best days. As well with the, the, the farm as well. We got yes. The- yeah, they have the dairy calves. I love it there. Oh, <laughs> it was and amazing. It's, it's such a historic farm site as well with yeah. their family. And the- 
and the the they they surprised us at the end with all of these things that they had made all of these baked goods and i'm just thinking wow you know they were amazing and how cool would it be if they could incorporate their spend green into that as well um cuz their their site is just wonderful as you said erica so historical and just so i mean we sat there for for a while just listening to the history of the farm and and things that have happened on the farm that's been in the family for you know generations and it's I love that stuff. I just, I think yeah. it's wonderful. He's lucky we had the minibus come in to pick us up or else I think we'd still be there. <laughs> yeah. They, he would, he would yeah. have never gotten us to leave. I don't think. Um, it's an amazing tour. Uh, we, we must go back sometime, but absolutely wonderful. One of my favorite brewery tours I've ever been on, to be honest. Where, where is this brewery? Monaghan. Oh, in County Monaghan. Okay. Yes. So we, we rented a minibus to go out there. Um, and we went down there for the day and we did the brewery tour and then we toured the, the, the dairy farm. And then we spent the evening, they had converted one of the old houses into, into a tap room and it's really cool. And they have like pictures of all their, like of the space historically, like all over the walls. And we were treated to all these stories about where the farm or how the farm played a role in the history of Ireland, which you know, as a historian, I'm just sitting there geeking out um, completely. <laughs> it, it was it was so unbelievably cool. That's very um, cool. And I still have my glass. They sent oh. us away with a glass each as well, and I still I still have it. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was awesome. It was re- one of my highlights, one of my beer highlights of my life. To be honest with you, very cool <laughs> place very cool place. But circling back, Kelly, I just, I, I, I want to ask if you can tell us a little bit more about the BJCP qualification, what the exam process is, and how you feel that that might have um, supported your position in beer or in the homebrew club or helped you in brewing or, you know, sort of along those lines. Yeah, well, it, it was great for me as an education because I knew nothing about beer. I knew nothing. So it really kind of gave me the bones um, through different styles, through different malts, through hops, um, even yeasts. It was very much a tasting experience. We did classes. Um, so uh, we'd meet up and we'd we'd um, have, say, the red ale styles or the brown ales and we'd go through them to practice. Um and then we run through those classes and then we take the exam. So you have to sit an online exam first and you have to pass that online exam before you can go on to the tasting exam. Um, and then we did the tasting exam where they bring two two proctors over. Um, and usually we'll, um, one came from America and one came from England for ours. Um, and uh, we... We would we get they were then given six beers and you have to then assess. So each beer gets brought to the table. You're told the style. So say amber ale. That's all you're told, and then you have to then you go through the judging sheet and you judge the beer as a. So within that they could it could be an amber. It, they could have thrown a curveball in. There could be um, a fault there. There could be. Uh, it could be in the different styles. So that was the kind of process to do. So it, that's a bit scary because you've got to, you know, you've got to kind of sit down and know your stuff. But I think like yourself, Christina, you kind of do it and you just go, do you know what? Just taste the beers and just, and that's what I say to anybody. You, you actually just say what you taste because sometimes we look into things too deep as well for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would have found was then it was great because it really, 
in one way I was going, it's it's great. I know all I know about beer styles. I know about tastes in beers, but then it's it ruins sometimes your drinking experience. <laughs> <laughs> because then at first I had to realise I had to stop drinking a beer and judging it at the same time. I was kind of going, oh God, I'm going to have to just drink drink a beer and and I would have found as well because I was the kind of I was the there was only two there was two women at the time who took the exam me and Emma from Rascals and through the homebrew club you see so we were the only women um who who had who'd passed the exam so I would be out and about in Dublin and lads would come up and say what do you think of this beer taste that beer and I'd be like guys leave me alone I'm not I'm not tasting it for you and I'm not telling you what and they'd be like well what are you drinking what what do you think of that and I'm going guys I'm trying to drink a beer so but once you put them ground rules in of like look if I'm out I'm out I'm drinking I'm not judging a beer you kind of because at first you kind of it, it was it was funny um <laughs> And then, what was the other? What, would you, what else did you ask me? Sorry, I've gone off a track. How that's, in, how that's impacted your your role in homebrew club or your role in beer ladies? How do you think that's helped in a somewhat professional manner? I guess I would say, like, uh, it's helped so much again for the knowledge wise, and to be able to talk to people about beer. Um, now, I don't know. I, I don't possess to know everything about beer. I don't think anybody does know everything about beer. Um, but it made me more confident to be able to hold a conversation about different beer styles and to also know that not every beer style suits everybody. Um, I remember I was listening to one of your podcasts and Caroline <laughs> said, well, she, she, she's not an IPA drinker and she wouldn't thank you for an IPA I'm in her. I'm, I'm right there with her. I wanted to high five her. I wouldn't thank Christina knows this. I wouldn't thank you for an IPA. It wouldn't be my go-to beer. So we all have a taste and a style that we like, and that's yeah. and that's what it's about. It's about being able to talk to people about that without saying, "Well, no, actually, you must. You, you've got to like this beer. You should like this beer." And I think that really mm-hmm. helped me by doing the BGCP to be able to go. There's a style out there for everybody. We just like I'm the typical girl. Seven years ago, I was a vodka drinker. <laughs> I'm out there for everybody. I'm just fascinated that actually you you took the exam as a way to learn about beer and to taste new beers. And I think a lot of people do the exam because they want to validate what they already think that they know. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people do it just for the for you know for the pin on the blazer uh, so to speak yeah. um and and I, I think it's really cool that you took that as a way to to actually learn um and as you say you hadn't really been a beer drinker anyway it also brought me then into a different world of competitions so uh, i would have done a bit of co- judging for competitions as well i went over to england we did one of them with the national homebrew club over there we did some judging there and through the national homebrew club here and then I'd started out stewarding as well, so and I would do a bit. I would have done a bit of judging, but then I've ended up kind of help coordinating the beer competition, um, and that's kind of what I would be known for now. Kind of every year in March, the nationals happen, and you know I coordinate that big day, and it's a great day. It's an exciting day. There's there's all sorts. You know, I I always encourage everybody to get involved in that day. Um, it so it brought me down that path, and it also then brought me to. Um, the Kalani Beer Festival, I coordinated the beer competition down there that was in um, conjunction with Bior and the INCE. Um, they did, but that was with um, uh, with the breweries. They all sent in the beers. and it, So it wasn't a homebrew competition. It was a professional kind of competition. So that was three years on the run as well. So that there's lots of experiences that the BJCP course has actually 
opened up that I would never have seen myself doing in a million years, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So it's good. And, and I would just say, Kelly, that you've had such a profound influence on, on beer ladies through the BJCP because, of course, she dragged me kicking and screaming to take the BJCP <laughs> exams. Um, and to, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, and to do all that for, for, the, for the same reason, just to learn a little bit more about beer. And um, uh, yes, and and has really you have definitely inspired so many other beer ladies to learn more about tasting beer, to learn about off flavors. Um, I remember going to your house when we were when we were when my class was doing the studying for BJCP, um, and you doing the off flavor class. And the thing that sticks in my mind is you like whipping out a beetroot and being like, "This is this is an earthy smell." And just- earthy. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> the, plant, the plant that had the uh, the um, the cactus plant, the mold. Yeah. Yes. This is what we're talking about. But it is, and it's about bringing out those because you've got, we have the off-flavour smells all around us, all the time. It's just homing us into, you know, thinking about them. Well, not too much, but... <laughs> and, and and you brought up something else, and, and I want to ask this to, to Tandy and Erica as well. Do you have a hard time separating sort of your – because I know that, of course, Erica's doing her, her course, and Tandy also, you know, judges homebrew competitions and, and stuff like myself. Do you, do you guys have a hard time sort of separating your judging hat from your, I'm just going to enjoy this, enjoy this hat? I think um, whenever I try – a a new beer. Um, I feel I have to put it in untapped right away. I have to take a photo. Like it is kind of hard to like leave your work. You know, I, I, I like, um, comparing notes with my husband because right now he's about the only person I can drink with, but, um, yeah, like it's, it, it helps you to know like, why, why is this beer flat or like why, um, did the stout not have much head or just kind of knowing like the science behind like what a good pour should look like, or um, just maybe paying more attention to the dates on the bottle because you might've had like a one that's gone off for their shelf life. So yeah, it's made me a lot more aware of different issues of what can go wrong. Um, But I I haven't had the BJCP training yet. Um, We did a class called International Beers and Draft Dispense Management. And our lecturer gave us an exam where we had to describe a full page of all of her questions on several beers, including an off flavor. So we learned all of those. But I would say, don't smell it too much because your brain will get used to it and you'll be accustomed and then you'll, you'll second guess yourself. So that's why when I have someone try my spent grain scones, I say like, can you please comment on the first bite or two? Because you, you need to kind of trust your instincts on that. Mm. You know, I've, I, I, I think at one stage I didn't want to do BJCP because I didn't want to be that person that is continuously judging the beer by its style rather than by whether I like it or not. Um, but I've since learned to compartmentalize it a little bit. I've, I feel like I get into a zone if I'm going to try and judge a beer according to the style. And I'm nowhere near as experienced as Christina and Kelly. Um, you know, cause I still haven't even taken the exam. I've just done, I've just done bloody everything else, you know? So, but, but um, I, I, I think when I'm, when I'm judging, I get into a bit of a zone and I'm 
being more critical and I'm looking at it very objectively and saying, this is the color and this is the clarity and this is the head and the retention and the aroma. Whereas if I'm enjoying it, um, I'm, I'm really not that critical unless there's an obvious flaw. Mm. In which case, it's kind of nice to be able to know why the flaw is there mm -hmm. so that you can give constructive feedback or try it again to see if it's a, if it's a persistent problem before deciding what to do. But so I, I think I like it for that. But yeah, for me, it's, I got to get into the zone to judge. For the most part, I'm just, I'm just drinking to enjoy. There yeah. is something negative just to kind of address it with the brewery directly rather than putting it on a public forum or, you know, word of mouth, because you might've just gotten a bad batch. I mean, that's, that's an interesting thing, but I mean, how much do we tolerate in terms of professional breweries putting out bad batches? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what is the, what is the allowance that we give? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that there is a difference between not liking a beer and mm -hmm. it being off. And I'm not saying we should slate breweries but i feel like maybe breweries should also have quality assurance or mm. something in place to prevent that sort of thing oh yeah like if it's a safety issue i'd say 100 like mm. be very open and transparent about it in case mm. there's a like a, a recall god forbid <laughs> i think for me it's also the size of the brewery so if it's a really really small mm. brewery and there's a absolute you know this is so infected you know, no one is going to like this. Okay, maybe someone, but you know, because there's always <laughs> that one person. But you know, <laughs> no one's going to like this, right? Um, you know, then you can say it quietly, you know, to mm -hmm. them in a personal level, um, especially particularly with very, very small breweries. But the bigger the brewery, the more I think that they should be able to take public criticism. Um, the big breweries, especially the big craft breweries that are like, really, are they craft? Are they not? should be m more open, I think, perhaps, to constructive criticism. Yeah. Yeah. Constructive <laughs> criticism. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of people that are just, oh, drain pour. I mean, that doesn't really tell the brewery why it wasn't mm -hmm. good. That And and that doesn't, it's not really helpful. I, I want breweries to put out beer that I want to drink. I want breweries that I like to to produce things that I want to drink. So if there's something that I don't like, I want to tell them so they can make it better so I can buy that beer and like it. You know, I don't want to, you know, take a picture dumping a beer down the drain and be like, oh, ah. I mean, it's just, I don't, I don't, no, it's not for me. Yeah, exactly. I kind of, I, I don't understand it, but I'm sure someone will explain to me why suppose, they feel that that's. I suppose the other side of it is, is not everybody though takes that um, constructive kind of criticism or feedback yeah. they don't mm -hmm. want to hear it there's some of them no. don't want to hear it and they don't welcome it um so i suppose it's just you know you, you know you know who you can and you know who you don't you just you just move on which is sometimes a shame but that is unfortunately the way sometimes it is um but i kind of there's mm. i i actually untapped you know i did untapped year, the years when i first got into it and i was actually it was hillary got me into untapped and we, we were in Edinburgh at the time and we got this on top. I thought it was the best thing since sliced bread and I'm there putting all my beers and I was getting all... <laughs> and I just kind of phased out with it because in the end I thought, why am I Why am I doing this? Why I was constantly putting stuff up thinking, I, you know what, who, who cares and who, what, who looks at it? So I stopped doing it. That phased out as well. But I found from when I first took the course to now, my drinking now, now I don't do that whole, oh God, I'm a judging a beer. What? I just drink the beer. If I enjoy the yeah. beer, I enjoy yeah. the beer. And if yeah. I don't, I don't drink another one. And that's, that's, that's that. And that's how I do it now. 
Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how I do it as well. If I don't like a beer, I just don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, I don't post about it and I don't talk about it. I don't, I don't go in public yeah. with my opinions negatively. So mm-hmm. if I'm posting about a beer, I like it. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of the end of it. <laughs> I've, I've made a bit of a habit on untapped. So if I don't like it, or if I think that, um, my judgment is not, uh, uh, up to scratch, let's say <laughs> on it. Uh, I just don't give it a rating. I might check it in. I might say mm-hmm. nothing, but mm-hmm. I use untapped just as my personal journal, like to see what I've, what I've had. Um, it's, it's really just a, it's, it's just an achievement unlocker. I love that. I'm a little bit, <laughs> little bit obsessed with all the badges. All the badges. Gamifying beer. <laughs> I know. It's gamified drinking and it's, it, it, it's had me for five years. Like <laughs> I've been on it. It's all good. <laughs> I wish that we had it like in the US. If you have it in the US, you can get like coupons and all sorts of stuff Ooh. for drinking a certain amount. Um, my husband and I, we were in, where are we? LA and Vegas. And I didn't know that was a thing. And all of a sudden I'm on untapped and I'm getting like coupons to stuff. And I was like, what, what is this? Why don't we have this in Ireland? I want coupons. Um, but yeah, I don't really use untapped anymore. Just sheer laziness. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think there's just so much more. There's so much to do as well. It's the time. It's the time. It's trying to do that. It's that your mm-hmm. Facebook, your Instagram, your, sure. it's just so, so much. much. And you just something something for me is like something's got to give. So I just phased out with it, and that was that. Mm. And no coupons. I'd do it if there was coupons. Right? <laughs> <laughs> give me coupons. <laughs> oh my goodness! Right, um, new place to untapped. <laughs> so I so I guess my my question to sort of wrap up this idea, this sort of professional career in brewing and how you how you kind of got into there is what piece of advice would you give to someone who is interested in taking their love of beer more professionally more um yeah more professionally mm-hmm. um i would say start building a home library of craft beer books um there are a lot of good ones that are affordable at Eason's. uh get into home brewing um, subscribe to different brewery email newsletters, listen to podcasts like this one. Um, <laughs> and if you are leaning towards the formal education route, um, here in Ireland, I would look at IT Carlo and TU Dublin. Um, IT Carlo, I believe, is four full years in brewing and distilling. Um, my degree is focused more on the last two years. Uh, a lot of the universities have a brewing society and they do events and activities at places like the Artisan Brew Academy or the Black Rock Cellar Beer Club. Uh, so you really get a chance to network. So on that note, I would say get on LinkedIn and start at least remotely um, meeting people in the industry because Ireland's small and the craft beer world is even smaller. Um, so they're often very collaborative. So if you need a favor like me getting spent grain or finding someone to interview, um, they're very welcoming and hospitable. And pre-COVID, I, I would go to Indie Beer Week and Science Week, the science of beer, and really anywhere where I could introduce myself and shake hands with someone who's working in the field right now. Um, but a lot, a lot of the people that are in the field 
aren't brewers. Like I might necessarily not be a brewer, but I'm very actively involved in the brewing industry. So, mm. you know, there's a need for people in business and marketing and sales and, and other areas like the lab, like I, I want to do. So um, I would say do your research because any kind of, um, you know, uh, formal education, it is a, a lot of time and, and it can be a lot of money. So make sure it's what you want to do. Um, yeah. And, and really just don't be afraid to ask questions, you know. I think it's interesting that you mentioned the different things that you can do within beer brewing because it's just not brewing. Totally. Um, you know, it's not just brewing and, and um, putting on a, you know, preemptive sexist hat it's not just marketing or mm. being a barmaid or you know any of the things that people kind of ascribe there's absolutely loads of careers you could be doing analysis um, you could be doing logistics you know you there's there's lots of stuff in beer you know beer is another business and parts of it are creative parts of it are are logical and um, analytical and i think if you've got an interest in it you can find a spot within within the industry yeah and i i think um like with the academic qualification being fairly new, you are seeing more people going back part-time to get that or people looking for a master's degree or a PhD um, because that, that gives you that competitive edge. And also um, just reading as much as you can, listening as much as you can and finding what you're good at um, and what you enjoy, because at the end of the day, if you're going to be doing this full time, like you want to make sure that, you know, you're, you're, li you're not just living to work, you're, you're working to live, you know? Um, and it shows that you have like that passion um, to get the most relevant information in the field. Um, Cause I think maybe some of the people that have been doing it for so long, like they, their ideas might be slightly outdated compared to what I'm being taught this year, for example. Yeah. Kelly, how about you? What would you say to somebody who's, I don't know, interested in getting into the industry in whatever way or form? You know, what have you learned coming from a very different angle? Yeah, I come from, because I'm, I'm coming from the voluntary angle. Well, I suppose in the voluntary angle, but obviously, um, Brendan is 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 a is a professional brewer, um. So I would have had I would have tipped in on both ends of that, um. Knowledge definitely, as Erica said, you know, read, 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 and um, I think for brewing world going into kind of actual brewing qualification is key. If you think about breweries, breweries are quite a dangerous place to be in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's lots of danger in the, the through the day. We look at, like high pressure. You're thinking of kind of um, all the chemicals that they're working with to kind of clean down. If it's clean, 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 you know, keep the brewery clean. You really need to know what you're doing before you go in to that professional brewing world. For kind of homebrew world, get involved. Get involved in your local homebrew club. I'm a big one to advocate that because that's where the knowledge is. And there's so much learning and so much sharing going on that, you know, it, it kind of gives you a good base and a good grounding to understand. Is that, like Erica said, there's so many parts of the world that you could go into. Do you want to be do the brewing? Is that, like, I can brew. Um, I've brewed a beer. I've won a, a medal for, for one of my beers. I don't really brew now because I want to, I don't need to. Brendan's, there's enough beer around for us, but I'm, I'm kind of like coming on the other end, touching on the other end of it and... So, yeah, you know, knowledge, 
learn and go meet people, go experience kind of brewing, go experience, you know, go visit breweries. Yeah, yeah. involved in a lot of the groups. Yeah, and I think the key right now is maybe after this lockdown to see like which breweries are doing tours. Can you do a beer tasting, um, beer and food pairings, beer and whiskey pairings? Like before COVID, like there were so many of these opportunities all over Ireland. And um, I really miss it. I really miss beer festivals and, you know, just being able to go into any craft beer pub or... um, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Just to, to have, like a friendly chat with someone at the off license without having to wear a mask. So um, yeah, like I think just getting your name out there, like Kelly said, is really crucial. And I think it's all that like to, to learn about like the step again, I go back to, as I keep saying, like when I didn't drink beer, I would never have known how beer was made. I would never have thought about how beer was made. It's just liquid that came in a glass. And <laughs> and then when I first, I remember first going into a brewery and I was amazed. I was like, Wow, it's all this stuff, all this machine, you know, all these fermenters, everything. It's just amazing. It just made it opens up a whole new world to you to go. God. Yeah, like I said the, the the passion that goes into brewing the beer. Yeah, is, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears at times is uh, yeah, it's it's interesting and it's something that you just need to get in there and learn and just and and and, and explore. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, ladies, we're going to take a bit of a beer break and we will be back to talk about sexism in the industry. Hi, this is Hillary, and you're listening to the Beer Ladies Podcast. And we're back. 
thank you for joining us for part two. So again, I'm going to ask, what are you drinking? I'm literally just busy drinking. (laughs) (laughs) So I am drinking Kula Bula, which is from Wicklow Brewery. And this is a double dry hopped session IPA at 3.8% ABV. Wow. Is it good? Hmm. What are it's thoughts? quite tropical, actually. Yeah, I, I would recommend it for like a school night. Very drinkable. Good one. Kelly, what have you got? Um, I've gone with um, local brewery again, Dewdrop, um, the Sleepyhead Oatmeal Stout. Lovely. It's very nice. I am. Um, I do like a dark beer. Mm. <laughs> what have you got, Christina? Well, tis the season. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm I'm drinking White Hag's pumpkin ale. And it is it's it's for me everything I like in a pumpkin beer. I it tastes like a pumpkin pie in a in a can. And and that is really what I'm looking for. Um this is their Samhain pumpkin ale. And yes, that that for my for the American listeners, that is pronounced Samhain, not Samhain. <laughs> <laughs> It's Samhain. Yeah, but um, for the people listening, spell it spell it out so that we know. Oh yes, yes. Sorry, S A M H A I N. Okay, and that is Samhain. Irish is a weird language, man. It is. It is not Samhain. Contrary <laughs> to what American horror movies like to tell you, this this, this, is, this is Samhain. Okay, um, but but this is delicious. <laughs> Um, I've been drinking the white hag version and, um, oh, the trouble pumpkin brew also excellent. Very happy with that, uh, back and forth. And then of course, um, saving a bunch of them for, for Halloween and then uh, Thanksgiving. Nice. I've got, um, I've got a new one again. It is called Shouting at Strangers by Wylam Brewing in Newcastle upon Tyne in the UK. And it is an amber Quake, quake. I don't know how to pronounce it, so just forgive me. And I also can't get this into focus. So, real noob problems. It's a very pretty can, though. If you look at it, it's got all these mouths on it. So that's kind of cool. Well, look, it's my it's my first one of the style. Well, I don't actually know if it is even a style or if it's just a bunch of beers brewed with that yeast, you know, fermented with that yeast. Mm. It's a Norwegian sort of farmhouse yeast. Mm, yeah. So it has got a... It's got a little bit of a almost sort of funkiness to it, but otherwise it's it's pretty clean and it's lovely. So far, so far so good. It sounds really good. It sounds like I need to do some more beer shopping. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start off by asking you, are you tired of being asked what it's like to be a woman in the beer community? Are you frustrated with that <laughs> being a question that you inevitably get asked on in interviews, which I will soon ask you? <laughs> Um, yes and no. I'm very happy and here for it to talk about that. So fire away. <laughs> it, it can get tiresome, and especially kind of because you're seen as a woman in in this field. Um, but you know, you get over it. Kind of people get used to it. I kind of get past that. I mean, I, I think. Um, Sometimes I kind of find it funny if someone asks, do you want black currant in your Guinness? And they wouldn't ask a man that. Or I, I've never heard a man asked if they'd like a half pint instead of a pint. So 
I mean, I, I think there are kind of some subtleties to what it's like to be a woman who likes to do, drink beer and, you know, people getting used to that idea. Yeah, to follow on, what what do you think are unique challenges to being a woman in the beer world? What are some examples of sexism either or you yourself have experienced or perhaps um, a friend has experienced that you know of or you've witnessed, um, whatever you choose to share? Uh, So I was at an Indian restaurant with a male friend of mine, and he ordered kind of a fruity lassie, which is a yogurt drink, and I ordered an Indian beer. And a different staff member came out to deliver our drinks, and they sort of automatically assumed that he wanted the beer and I wanted the lassie. And that's happened multiple times. Like I find a kind kind of find that annoying. Um, Or if I'm at like a gastro pub and I ask, what do you have on tap? Or I go up and look at the taps and then people will be surprised. Men will say like, Oh, like, do you do this at every tap? Or like, why, why do you want to know? Why are you curious? And I say, well, I like drinking new and different beers from all kinds of breweries. And like, I I think it's sort of a foreign idea to some people, um, especially ones who, We'll just stick to one maybe big brand beer. Um, but I, I would like to think that that idea is sort of changing and that people will kind of find find their, their style. Like um, to mention my mom again, like she never really thought that she would like a beer at all. And I took her to a sour only brewery and she loved every single sour beer that she drank. And that was really uplifting for for her and for me to see that, to make that connection. Because I think some people in the craft beer world um, can be a bit snobby um, if you don't know what you like or if you're just very, I guess, you don't have the knowledge, um, which she was in that situation and kind of afraid to ask. But we found someone that kind of guided her through that. And um, it, it, it was really nice to see. It's funny. I'm kind of. I'm kind of thinking about. You see, I suppose I just kind of. Anyone who knows me knows I don't suffer fools gladly, you know. And I kind of. I probably would have in the past had brushed with a few kind of comments and a few stuff that would have. No, but nothing that I can kind of now. God, you know, Mm. remember exactly what things were. But now I don't. Uh, and I suppose with being the president of the National Homebrew Club as well, I was a very, like, I was a woman over a very male-dominated kind of uh, organisation. Um, but it was kind of, actually, it was kind of funny because they were kind of like, you know, you keep us in order, you kind of, because they actually knew where they was with me. So I'm kind of, I don't tolerate it and I mm-hmm. won't accept it. So I kind of call it out and say, no. Sure. You know, don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, I don't like that. And I suppose um, Brendan, would always be very supportive of women in the business. Um, like he loves like the ladies craft beer days when we bring the girls down and we, we do all things educational and brewing. And so he's very much, so I've always been kind of on that side of having Brendan being that supportive of me in the, in the area of it. Um, now, as I said, I have probably, I have had a few over the years, but again, now I've kind of learned to go, I've learned to kind of go, no, actually no, I'm accepting that. So and I, I think it's a chance for education as well, like um, to have a conversation and just maybe instead of making that person feel bad or putting them in their place, just kind of calling it to their attention subtly or 
redirecting the discussion and saying, you know, I want to feel like a team member and I don't want to be referred to it as a name that you probably wouldn't call one of the guys. And just whether it's professional or, or personal, just, you know, bring it back to, would you say that to your sister or your mother or your daughter, you know, like how, how would you feel? Um, and just, yeah, say no. And as Kelly said, like, um, don't tolerate that. And kind of ask, and I kind of find that I ask, actually, I, I would go back to someone, you know, and why does that interest you? Or why would you ask that question? Mm-hmm. And you kind of actually see a different reaction because people will look at you and go, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I'm sorry if that insulted you or I didn't mean to offend you. Yeah, hmm. totally. Sending it back to actually say, well, actually, that, you know, would you ask yourself that? Would you ask somebody else that? It's, And I think that's, that's the stance I take now, but I know it's not easy. It's not easy because it, you know, it, I think it, it, it does definitely, there is, it is definitely around, but I think that's in a lot of areas as well, in a lot yes. of different disciplines, mm. um, we find this. Because you're a more prominent member of the beer community, the people know you, so you, you might not experience um, it to the same degree perhaps that other people do because they know you know they know you know your shit. <laughs> well, it's it, it's it's only over the years. Like I said, if I go back years, I would have been, you know. And again, I think some of at the, some of the times we would have gone to different meets or different places, and people would have been like, "Oh, issues again." And I, you know, even off some of of the brewers' wives, it would be like, "Oh, you're Kelly," like <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah and i'd say that sometimes they're trying to say well kelly comes along with Brett, you know they kind of go oh yeah, yeah well not everybody's interested in in sure. stuff like that but i would have found that as well so i would have had a mixed kind of thing as well yeah um, but again yeah because of uh, of the few years and i'm being around and doing different competitions and doing different things i've actually you know i probably set the bar of i'm not tolerating it so this i'm going to say it if i don't yeah. like it and I'm, yeah you know i'll address it what about oh, yourself tandy Oh, um, you know what? I've had a bit of a mixed bag because sometimes it's like, Erica, I loved your example of the sort of lassie and the pint because sometimes if somebody orders a half pint or if, if my husband orders a G&T and I order a pint, like often people will just assume that I want the G&T. And I mean, I'm happy with the G&T, don't get me wrong, but um, it's generally me ordering the beer. Um, so I think that happens often. And I don't, and I don't love that. And I've called people out before when, um, at beer festivals that I said, Oh no, we've got something for you. Don't worry. It's over here. It's a berry cider. <laughs> I want to punch <laughs> people in the face. Um, but, but I do feel like there's, it's a double edged sword because mm. actually it can be a really big advantage to be a woman in the beer industry because yeah. it's not as common. People sometimes maybe treat you as a little bit of an anomaly or a little bit of, um, um, something to be fascinated by. And again, that's got pros and cons. This is not, um, all pros, but I've, I've found for the most part, people who know me or people that I spend any amount of time with respect me entirely. It's the strangers who make assumptions yeah. that mm-hmm. that are the problem. And that's that's a much bigger systemic issue. That's not just women and beer. That's that's life, man. That's that's yeah. that's racism, sexism, misogyny. That's sure. everything. Yeah, know. that's that's just the patriarchy. And that's and and like Erica said, it's it's it is a matter of people being ingrained in sort of social norms and trying to challenge those things and sort of deciding for yourself, okay, you know, what is the best way to get someone to maybe rethink this? Because was it meant, was this meant maliciously or is this just a conditioned response in their brain? Mm -hmm. So what is the best, you know, 
what's the best way to get someone to change this? Because, you know, again, I've had the same experience, you know, my husband and I go to places, I ask about what the beer is and, you know, and the person answers to my husband. Mm. <laughs> Thanks. Mm. But, you know, and, and, and he's very good at just sort of passing the, 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 oh, I don't really know too much about beer. So, you know, you're better off, you know, answering the sure. person who asked you, you know, <laughs> yeah. and he, and, and it's just kind of subtle, just yeah. nudges, I think that help. Um, I'd say, but, but maybe that person will interact with a woman differently the next time because yeah. you commanded respect and, you know, you, you have this, this chance to teach someone mm-hmm. and, and just, you don't really know like where they grew up or, you know, what their background is, or maybe they're from a different generation and those aren't excuses, but I, I think, um, maybe people are kind of forgetting like, Oh, that's not appropriate or that's not professional or, you know, sort of depends on what the microaggression or what the behavior is will determine, I think maybe how I would respond. Mm -hmm. Um, Things that are more overt will get a more overt response from me. Sure. Which sort of bring, Hmm. which sort of brings us to um, the idea of sort of sexist branding and sexist marketing and yes. what do you, what do you all think of that? And, um, it's impact and, and those sorts of things. I think I've seen a fair few names and designs, um, on beer labels, uh, that are sexist and or racist. And I think they probably just weren't thought through very well. Um, if they had more market research or, or had someone, uh, female probably, or non-white probably, um, giving them an opinion, then they could maybe be more sensitive and inclusive and politically correct. Yeah. I, I kind of feel, I kind of feel if you need to actually put like a woman on your can or some sexist kind of, kind of, uh, name on the beer then your beer is your beer actually that good that you need exactly. to use a woman to sell mm-hmm. your beer mm-hmm. it would be what i would be looking at and i don't think i don't think there's a need for it i don't think i think mm-hmm. there are plenty of creative things that you can do on a beer label without using a you know a woman mm. like that i agree with you kelly i'm almost bored by it rather than appalled these days yeah. mm-hmm. like i actually i look at it i'm like oh yawn and that, you know another another bunch of lads sat around a table getting pissed and decided that this would sell their beer which is probably subpar so i avoid those labels or i avoid mm-hmm. those beers because they they don't seem like they're interesting to me to be perfectly sure. honest yeah. and um and and i think that breweries who do that make a big mistake because women are a big part of the consumers mm-hmm. women are the people who actually buy beer, whether it's for themselves or their husbands, women are the ones who are often picking things up in the store. Mm. And people don't always look at that. And 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 not and men. Men don't like it, to tell you the truth. There's a lot there's mm. a lot of men out there that wouldn't wouldn't be happy or not don't condone it, don't like it and, and actually call it out mm. themselves. Because they don't And I think it also sets a bad example for children and you know, especially on the flip side, if it's something that's really pink or frilly or marketed specifically towards women, well, that can kind of backfire too. And then are you kind of uh, 
neglecting part of your population by doing that. Like, I, I don't think those have always worked. And I think maybe there have even been boycotts on, on some of those beers, to be honest, because sure, in, in theory, it might have sound, sounded like a good idea, but then it kind of flopped. Personally, I think brewers and marketers make a mistake when they market to women, as if mm-hmm. women as a group have some like universal taste in things. Um, men like pink, men like things that are traditionally mm-hmm. viewed as feminine, men like makeup. Men might want to drink a girly beer. Women might want to drink, you know, the most high octane mm-hmm. IPA on the face of the <laughs> earth. If you want to make a pink beer, Knock yourself out, but don't market it to some yeah. cliched stereotype of of women because femininity isn't necessarily attached to women. Anyone can be feminine sure. or like stereotypical or classically feminine things. And equally, anyone can be masculine and like classically masculine things. And beer doesn't have a gender. <laughs> Well, I, I know I, this is shocking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen that in a lot of um, gift shops as well. You know, I I have a collection of Irish uh, brewery t-shirts and often I have to buy like the men's t-shirt or the unisex t-shirts. Um, and there wouldn't be like um, here, like there would be in the US, uh, for example, jewelry made out of you know, beer, beer cans and beer bottles. And I would say there would be a huge market for that, you know, earrings and necklaces. And I mean, men can buy them for themselves or for other people. And as you say, like, it doesn't have to be gender specific, but I, I think the the sales side of it after the experience ha- has a lot of catching up to do. And I think um, a lot of what I've seen in the U.S., you know, yoga classes at breweries and painting classes at breweries and 5Ks, like there are men and women at both, at, at, at all of those. And I would love to see more of that here. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that is so common over there is um, to use beer as an ingredient in um beauty products like shampoo, conditioner, lotion, soap, lip balm, candles, like those are great gifts. But I think that's, that's something that's really missing in Ireland that, you know, maybe one of us can fill that niche and, you know, offer more um, options for women um, or, or just like that unique insight to the industry. We have Tandy now, so we can nudge, nudge, <laughs> nudge her. I, I, you know, with with ideas. I'm really hoping for a beer slash makeup um, hybrid T-shirt that I can. Uh, oh, keep your eyes peeled, friend. There is that a, I can wear because I'm so excited. A whole for that. range of cross, <laughs> crossover hobbies coming soon. I'm so excited. Um, but Tandy is one of the first that I've really seen that makes beer merch that looks like stuff I'd actually wear. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm actually wearing one of her shirts right now. It says here for the hops. Yay. And I've ordered a couple of other ones from different lines she's done. And mm. one's pastel and one is pumpkin ale. And like I, I'm all about it. And I think I'm after order Walmart here for the malt. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just didn't have quite the same ring to it but I've, uh, I've got to try and think of, of better ways to incorporate the malt so. forwards and the and the sours and uh, yeah, like I've, I've yeah. got some ideas brewing we'll, we'll get oh, there. oh good fun. Fun. 
<laughs> no, they're they're all good. But you know, I wanted to circle back a little bit because I think if you if you are using um, lewd imagery or if you're doing things to sell your beers, you know, typical kind of very old school marketing tactics, I think you're actually also not doing your male fans a favor because yeah. if you're marketing a pink thing to women, it's kind of saying men don't drink the pink things again. Sure. And that's actually more toxic for the men. Yeah. Women are actually so used to being isolated and targeted specifically. Men actually aren't. Mm. Men are once again told they can't like pink. That just adds to the toxicity of things that, that, that don't help anybody. So, you know, for, for men to be able to choose a sour, a, a watermelon sour or a strawberry, um, saison with equal confidence as they choose an IPA or, or an amber ale or something. I think that's also important. And it's mm. something that, that actually we might be able to change the marketers, the branders minds that way. Unfortunately, it'll be that, that wedge, you know, rather than the sure. other one, but, but it is actually an important thing. Yeah. Also, just, just to mention several, just a few things on that. To, to agree with you, Tandy, and, and also that when you are trying to market to men and you think putting a naked or half-naked woman on the thing is going to attract men, it's really assuming some horrible things about your audience, your your consumer base. It's just – it's not nice. I, I wouldn't want to be marketed towards that way. It just – it's 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 assuming a level of intelligence and, and I, not giving them enough credit. Mm. And, and equally – um, we know <laughs> studies have shown that pairing pictures that men view women who drink beer as more sexually available than women who don't drink or uh, don't drink beer, particularly beer. So when you have those sort of naked images and this imagery, you're reinforcing this idea. And even if the studies didn't really show this, even if the, the risk was so tiny, why would you risk it? And it's 2020. This information is out there. There's just really not an excuse anymore. I could understand years ago, but at this point, you know better. There, There is an inherent tie between this and rape culture, and there's just not an excuse for it. It's the same thing with transphobic imagery, ableist imagery, racist imagery, any offensive imagery. Why are you doing this or branding or um, posts or the way you word things that we are in 2020? We are intersectional feminists, folks. We are here for diversity and inclusion. And I just don't have a lot of patience for people who are just lazy at this point. It's laziness. Mm -hmm. It's... Mm -hmm. I think or just some of the puns as well that are meant to be jokes. Like no, no one's laughing, you know, they don't get it. And um, recently we were at um, a shop and I had noticed like cards for him and cards for her um, in the greeting card mm. section. And whether it's father's day or a birthday card for a dad, you know, Oh, there'll be beer on it or golfing or barbecuing, but the Mother's Day cards never have beer on it. And I, I do have to kind of wonder why, you know, people are so surprised that we know so much about beer. And, you know, there are so many strong independent women in the industry now that I think the perception is changing. It's just maybe changing at a bit of a slow rate. Um, just to see that we have the knowledge and the skills 
that our male counterparts have, you know, we can do heavy lifting like they do. I mean, it, it, it is a bit irritating. Do you think that perhaps we're very lucky because Ireland is so small that they are used to having strong vocal women within the community and that it's maybe changing here a little bit faster than perhaps some other areas, not necessarily in all the craft bars where the staff don't know you, but I would say my personal experience in the community within breweries in Ireland is very welcoming and always lovely. Yeah. It's not the same when I go to the U.S. Sure. or other places. I've had much more experiences with sexism and beer in the U.S. than I've ever had. And I, I would I would agree with you, Christina. I think we do kind of fit in more here. And I think we can have deeper, more meaningful conversations with males and females in the industry. And it's just about kind of finding like that commonality. And, you know, there it, it, it's like talking about anything, really. Like it shouldn't be so divisive or, you know, we shouldn't feel separated. We should feel balanced and equal and empowered. And to to kind of jump off that, I'm going to ask you this, Kelly, and and also to Erica. Do you think there are issues surrounding diversity and inclusion in Ireland, and and not just about women, but perhaps with people of color or you know our our trans brothers, sisters, siblings, um, are you know all of the different sort of different groups of people that we really need to be drawing into the into the beer community here, and and how do you think that this may be resolved? I think if we had some kind of workshops or conferences, whether virtual or in real life, um, just to give people a voice and, and to listen to them and be more proactive, because I think right now a lot of it is reactive and oops, you know, we made a mistake. We shouldn't have said this or done that. And yeah, that, that label was in really poor taste and really, I think just having more people involved with that, that conversation. And, you know, I, I've worn my beer ladies t-shirt to plenty of festivals and that attracts really positive attention and people are impressed that such a society even exists. And I say, you know, it's so important to have a safe space and to feel comfortable talking about beer and other topics. And I think if other groups had that, um, you know, other minority groups, um, that would be a step in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, I I agree with Erica. Um, You know, it's diversity and it's kind of a, it's a loaded question. There's a, there's a a lot comes into it with across all, you know, um, walks of life. Um, but definitely, I suppose within it, within the beer world, it is about you know like 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 Erica said, the ladies craft beer society, our meetups are something kind of unique, which does solely wrap around kind of the safe space for people to come together to be able to talk about whatever in the sense of and and to enjoy beer and to do that. So it is about education. It's about kind of getting people together. You know, you know as as Erica said conferences whatever we can do but i don't know you know how we're going to solve that in 
one night. We're not going to solve it yeah. tonight. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think it's important that you know, as beer ladies, that we are a, a group of immigrants. That most of us are immigrants. Most of our members are immigrants, whether from other countries or other parts of Ireland. And we're very, you know, we're a very diverse group as far as Ireland goes. You know, with members from six different continents and the like. Um, so you know, maybe we should be doing more. And we'll kind of think about how we can sort of reach out to to other communities. Definitely. Yeah, you know. And I think also just making sure that you realize like everyone has their individual personality and not just clumping them into a group. Absolutely. Absolutely. As as we sort of as I, I sort of wanted to talk about, do you ever feel like as a woman that you're sort of pressured to represent all women instead of yourself as an individual? As in as as is often the case with minority groups, you're not just Erica or Kelly or Tandy, you are a woman in beer and how that sort of, and so, and so, you know, we want to make sure that we're not doing that with, with other groups, Hmm. other marginalized groups, that they're not the blank, you know, the woman, they are (laughs) themselves. Yeah. Um, I think we, we kind of came across that, um, this last summer because we had a craft beer themed wedding and, you know, people, didn't realize that it was my idea, but it was a really good icebreaker for us. And I found other ways to kind of attract that attention, but then have like a really good discussion about beers. Like I I'm really into the SRM rainbow, you know, the colors of beer or the humulo molecule, you know, the hop, the hops, like as it is scientifically. And just like, I guess finding different ways to incorporate beer and not just like oh this tastes good or oh is that one nice you know like finding a way to talk about it in a in a different manner um yeah and and just also like I want I I do want people to think of me as Erica like I don't want them to think of me as like this member of this group whether it's my gender or the society or you know my ethnicity yeah you know, Kelly mentioned earlier, sorry, Kelly there. Um, Kelly mentioned earlier that some, sometimes I think labels slip out because people don't do enough research or focus groups and things like that. And maybe that's an opportunity for the society, whether it's here in Ireland or whether it's beer groups across the globe to help breweries out when they're in need of a female voice or a trans voice or an ableist voice or something. You know, maybe, maybe. These kinds of groups, whether it's um, um, female-led or uh, anything else, um, maybe we just act as allies for each other, you know, and we mm-hmm. uh, we help the breweries out because I don't think that for the most part breweries also want to alienate people. I just think that people sometimes only appeal to themselves. They think that they're their customer, and they're not. Um, they're simply not. But But people don't always see further than what they know. And maybe making groups like ours more available as yeah. as friends not mm-hmm. as people to uh, you know um pass judgment and be be the be the hammer of of all things pc you know what i mean we mm-hmm. don't nobody would want to be nobody wants to have that stigma either of oh man oh she's like she can't even take a joke i mean you can explain it to me i'm sure it's very funny but uh you know you don't want to be yeah that person either that really can't see the wood for the trees, but maybe we can be a sounding board in some other way for breweries sometimes. 
giving that sense of belonging and, you know, oh, I found my tribe or Mm. another way would be like, you know, we're not just about the drinking. Like if someone wants to have water or juice or milk or whatever, that's fine. But I think, you know, offering more low ABV beers and non-alcoholic beers is another way to, to include more people. Um, you know, maybe someone's on antibiotics and they can't drink, but then they think, oh, I can't go to this meetup because everyone's going to judge me. Well, no, that's not true. You know, we will really want to be friendly and outgoing that way and social. Yeah, and absolutely. Like we've, we've had plenty of members become pregnant throughout the years and, you know, and, 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 you know, get messages. Oh, can I come? Of course you can come. You can come and drink water or non-alcoholic beer or nothing and just eat whatever you want to do. This is still a space for you. I'm a massive fan of low ABV beers. I I I don't I drink because I enjoy beer. I don't I don't drink to get absolutely blottoed. And I, I particularly I, I I don't do hangovers well <laughs> at all anymore. <laughs> if I could get lots of low ABV beers, I'd be happy out all day long because we meet I mean when we meet late, you know ladies we meet well usually around kind of 3. Um we've been known I've been known to get the last bus home. <laughs> <laughs> you know so it can be a long day and you, you've you've got it you've got to sort out the, them, them so there's lots of ideas i think that's a great idea tandy i do i do mm. think being able to be because we are a great a great group together the the can we come together with all different ideas with the the knowledge and passion and and it can only help you know it can only help us exactly and i mean just to be clear i don't just mean us in ireland i mean just globally you know if there are if there are people listening from somewhere in my home country south africa if there are people listening in the states in australia in asia in south america somewhere i mean i bet there are groups similar to ours and we could we could be you know could be the start of something really cool yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I will definitely volunteer. So I'm president of the Ladies Craft Beer Society, aka Brachiatrix. And please feel free to message me um, and we will sort you out with the group. Now, to be clear, no infiltration marketing, no sneaky <laughs> little trying to get information on how to sell beer to women. None of that. But if you if you do want to have an open discussion about how to make your brewery more inclusive. We are welcome to having those conversations, not publicly, but privately over Zoom or, or something of the like. Um, so so do get in touch with anyone who's interested in good faith. Yeah, absolutely. Now I have to um, jump off of Kelly's point about the, the beers with low ABV. Um, I'm not drinking this yet, but I do have it next to me. It's a micro IPA by Whiplash that's called Sandstorm. Mm-hmm. And it's only 2.8% ABV. Brilliant. So, I mean, that's that's very, very sessionable on a weeknight. I think there must be all sorts of magic that goes into making a beer taste amazing at that low ABV. Mm. Like I, I, I look at brewers who do that sort of thing with, with awe. <laughs> <laughs> So I think I think we've we've really done a great job of answering sort of questions about sexism and brewing, and it's it's obviously something that we'll we'll probably continue to to sort of circle back to. But I I want to sort of end our conversation today with questions of where do you see yourself in the future, or where do you see beer and brewing in Ireland in the future? Um, so me personally, um, I would love to stay living in Ireland and working in the food and drink industry as a food scientist. Uh, I think 
COVID has brought a lot of unique challenges to the beer world. There's definitely been a shift towards canning and bottling uh, because a lot of the pubs are still closed. Um, And I think this has also strengthened the relationship between the brewers and the off licenses and their distributors and given them a chance to use their own online shop or create a community like beer cloud. So I would say like there, there are so many advantages that we've come across over the last six or seven months. Um, Like there, there used to not be so much um, outside seating. um, But if the weather's nice, there's, there's nothing lovelier. So that's nice. And finding more um, food options at Beer, uh, at pubs, craft beer pubs, um, a growth in online beer clubs or advent calendars, um, virtual Oktoberfest, returning to growlers, crowlers, mini cakes. Um, like we've, we've really had to improvise and adapt our world. And I, I think Ireland's a bit ahead of the curve. Um, and I think offering something special, uh, something to draw people in, like uh beer labels for your your wedding that's personalized or a collaboration with an off license like I I think um, people are being really creative and I'm glad to see that where do I see myself I I, I have no plans of leaving Ireland that's it I'm I'm here I'm here till the till the end (laughs) and uh Oh, and I'm going to be still tipping around. I will always be. I I have a full time job doing something else. I will always tip into the beer world within the voluntary kind of aspect of way. Do meetups, enjoy competitions, do any of that kind of stuff, and and be uh, and hopefully be of help to someone. And kind of, I, I have no problem kind of whatever talking to people about my journey. Um, and and how do I see that? How do I see? It's okay, this is interesting. The beer world as a whole at the moment. So COVID has been. It has thrown a massive curveball at a lot of a lot of the beer world, a lot of the breweries. And I think people have to remember and go back to go back to the roots. Go back to why did they start doing? You know, why did they want to start a brewery? Kind of be creative. You know, think. You know, you kind of bespoke. You know, craft beer kind of my, the microbreweries you know handmade so i suppose it's as eric was saying th- that you have to get kind of inventive about what you do you have to think yeah. about other ways of drawing people in to want your beer um and i think i suppose i know they've gone canning a lot of things are all canning and stuff like that i'm not a fan of the cans i have to, i have to say i I'd what i would rather a bottle uh, because i've had a few cans that have been a bit of a disaster and i kind of think that sometimes the the beers are not the best in cans at times. I think they can be better in bottles. So I suppose mm. I suppose it's just my experience. It's just stuff that mm. that I would have experienced. Um, now but, cans have took off in a big way, so that's yeah, that's fine. But I think that will come back full circle, and I think you'll find that you know things might go back different ways. But, but I suppose for for breweries to survive in COVID, they have to look at doing something different and something special yeah. in the sense of. But I'm not saying doing a different special wacky beer. Mm. brew your beer stick to the beers that you brew and brew them well and then people will want to continually buy them yeah and i i think so many of them have been so resilient um especially some of the smaller like local independent ones um you know they've created these lockdown themed beers or they're selling face coverings with their branding or they're helping to make hand sanitizer and 
Like you really have to applaud them because obviously they've been doing a lot of brainstorming to come up with these ideas. Tandy, do you have anything you want to add? Well, I don't think I'm leaving uh, anytime soon either, especially not during lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe in five years' time I'll finally have done the BJCP, (laughs) officially. (laughs) And uh, actually, I uh, I don't know. I hope hope that we'll have um, more women in the homebrew club. Um, and if I can be part of that in any way, I'm, I'm always keen to help. Mm. As a, you know, I had really, really strong links and roots and friends in my homebrew club in South Africa. So I'd love to, um, sort of be more part of that, uh, here in Ireland. And otherwise, no, just carrying on. Hopefully, hopefully still designing some t-shirts that, that women especially love, but that, uh, are open to everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I think of this also as like a gift of time, like people in our industry can really improve their health and safety for when they they reopen and kind of think of um, innovative ways to to change for the better, you know, I I just want to thank Erica and Kelly for for coming on and and answering all of our intense questions <laughs> about this, that, and the other thing. So I, I really appreciate you, and we really appreciate you coming on and talking. And, of course, Tandy and I uh, really appreciate you answering our questions and, and putting up with us today. We'd love um, to have you back. Yes, please I mean, do. It, it's a pleasure to be able to sit here and drink on a, on a Tuesday evening <laughs> and have the chats. And, you know, I'm, I miss seeing you in person. So I know. <laughs> Stick with us, kid. We'll keep, keep it going. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be doing lots of um, online meetups. So do, do come along. But thank you. Thank you all so much again. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, this is the Beer Ladies Podcast. And hope to see you on the next episode. And as I said before, like us, follow us, subscribe. You can find us on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 